Hello and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. Okay then, the topics associated with employee engagement and workplace culture provide a long and fertile list of subjects to discuss on this podcast. Sometimes episodes cross over and cover similar ground and others strike new ground for us to explore. Today, we're going to do a couple of my favourite things. We're going to strike out into some new ground and use a bit of psychology to try and understand the topic a bit better. Now, recently in the UK, fairness has been, let's just say, a massive trigger for a lot of people. The feeling that there was one rule for us and one rule for the government when it came to obeying and observing the COVID restrictions has led to a huge turnaround and support for the government and certain individuals. But don't worry, this podcast isn't about to turn all political, so stay with me. But it did bring into focus our reaction to inequality and how that affects our attitude and our behavior. Now, when we translate these things, these feelings at the workplace, the research would say that employees who feel fairly treated at work trust their employer, enjoy their work, and are more dedicated towards that organization, which all sounds marvelous. But what's going on behind the headlines? And how can we make positive changes? So today's topic is all about the impact that fairness can have on your workplace culture. We're going to dig into the degree to which it impacts us individually and personally, how it affects our work and productivity, and also how it affects businesses and organizations. Now, to help me do this and understand this a lot better, I'm joined today by Pip Gwynn who's a business psychologist and a director at HRC Insight, where she and the team help individuals and businesses take a look at what's affecting their performance and helps them put strategies together to improve and grow. So Pip, I think, will be an excellent guide to help us navigate through this topic and come out the other side in much, much better shape. As always, I'm a huge fan of this psychology stuff, so let's get straight into it. Welcome to the show, Pip. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to to have you here. We've spoken once before. We did an Mm -hmm. Engage for Success radio show uh, a long time ago. Yep. And today we're going to talk about fairness. But look, I I know a little bit about you. Could you share a little bit about what you and the guys at HRC are up to right now? Yeah. So at Insights, what we try and do is to support organizations to be happier, more productive places. 
is. So we want people to feel happier and better about the things that they do. We want to enable leaders to spark change is our official purpose and vision. And and I suppose what that means is that we don't want to go into organizations and do things to people and do things for people. We want people to feel that they are able to make positive change in their organizations. And I think as a business psychologist, what my job is really is helping people to understand who they are and how sometimes who we are can get in the way of our own <laughs> happiness and get in the way of us being able to do things the way we want to do them. And that sometimes understanding ourselves better can help us to build better relationships, to build better teams, to be more productive and perform better in our jobs, to have happier, healthier organizations. So a lot of the work that I do personally is working with individuals, but we also work with teams to, to you know, what's the stuff that's going on in teams to make them not quite as good as it could be, um, and and looking at organisational culture um, as well. So that kind of messy people stuff that it's really hard to get a hold of. Sometimes it feels like what we're doing is trying to hold on to jelly and put it into a form that makes sense for people, um, and and. That- the jelly juggling is is the bit that I enjoy most about it. The bits that are kind of messy and difficult and and hard to pin down. So yeah, broadly that that is what we do. <laughs> That's brilliant. We've never discussed jelly juggling on this podcast before. So we're, <laughs> as we're, a profession, <laughs> yeah, as a profession, that's great. I love that spark. Um, yeah, no one likes things done to them, do they? I think it's all about mm. encouraging, giving people the tools to kind of do it themselves. And yes. Messy people stuff. We like nothing more on this podcast than to talk about messy people stuff. Yeah. So I think I think we're in good company today, Pip. <laughs> Definitely. Good. So when you talk about fairness, mm-hmm. what do you mean exactly? So I'm sure um, psychologists have a hundred different definitions of fairness, and and probably can't agree on any of them. I think what I mean by fairness is is people getting what they deserve. Um, and so good people having good things happen to them and bad people having bad things happen to them and bad things happening to bad people and good things happening to good people. I think it's that sense of if I do my best, then I will get good things happening. And at a really kind of fundamental brain level, fairness is one of the strongest triggers that we have you know, our whole behavior is driven around managing risk and reward. So trying to reduce risk and maximize reward. And we are much, much, much more sensitive to risk than we are to reward. So good things that happen to us don't impact us anywhere near as as good as bad things that happen to us. I mean, just think about the feedback that you get. So it's the one tiny little bit of bad feedback that really sticks in your mind and all the good feedback just kind of floats away. So we're really sensitive to um, to, to, to risk and, and to bad things happening to us. And fairness is, is one of the things that triggers emotions most for us. And, and a lot of that stuff is, 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 I suppose you could describe it as micro stuff. It's mm. the things that happen in organizations where whereas 
as, as HR professionals, people get bogged down in, in stuff, you know, oh, she's five minutes late every day, you know, um, how come she gets to leave early to pick up her kids, but I have to work full time? Why am I uh, not allowed to have uh, free milk in my coffee anymore when I used to? It's, it, it's quite often those really small things, or they <laughs> seem like small things, but actually they are huge derailers to how organizations work because they become the thing that everybody focuses in on they become the thing that is more important than anything else that is going on they suck so much time and energy (laughs) and happiness and they are the bane of leaders and managers and hr's lives and they make people really miserable really genuinely miserable Oh, they do. They do. I, I, look, I can't wait to dig into all of that. I just wonder, before we get going, because I'm going to ask you about, you know, the research that you look at, right, in, in a minute. But just to make some, I guess, some clarity, because there's a, there's a bunch of phrases around this, I think, that sometimes can get a bit confused and a bit conflated. Mm-hmm. So so when we are talking about fairness, Pip, what, what are you really concentrating on here? I mean, I'm, and I'm thinking the balance between what HR policies might say and actually the way we feel like we're being treated maybe? Fairness is quite subjective. So fairness is um, it's, it's like a sense of humour. We all think that we treat people fairly. We all think we have a great sense of humour. But actually, we all view fairness through our own lens. So, um, so what's important to me and how I feel fairly treated will be different from what's important to you and what's important to other people. So what I'm talking about here is that subjective experience of fairness. So it's less about HR policies, for example, to make sure that people are, are, are kind of by the letter of the law treated fairly. It's more about our experience experience of fairness um and and that subjective fairness that you know that that, that it's it's right for me and, and not right for other people um so so i think that's 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 the bit that i've been really thinking about most at the moment um and i think that's a lot of that is driven by organizations um i suppose the the the, the way organizations have developed over time is that we have made organizations more bureaucratic to try and make them fairer places Mm. to put in place policies and to put in place processes and to try and respond to people's sense that things are not fair. Um, And, and there's a move in organizations that has been massively moved on much faster because of the pandemic, to treat people as humans, to see people as humans, to make organisations more human places. And I think the whole agenda around employee engagement hugely fits into this, you know, that we want people to want to work. We want them to feel engaged in the work that they do. So it's moving away from a bureaucratic type organisation to a human type organisation where there are less rules, um, uh, less policies and procedures and people have greater autonomy they are empowered they um uh they are they they have more impact on the work that that they do more autonomy about the way they organize their work which is the way that when people are working at home you've got less control over them that is the way people are working Mm. but i think this brings a different sense of of fairness then because fairness is not then linked to everybody 
being treated in the same way because not everybody is sitting at the same desk in the same temperature with the same start time and finish time and break time and the same chair and you know the same the, yeah. uniform and everything being the same it's not that we're all living in a different world now so so fairness and feelings of fairness is different yeah well look we definitely agree that fairness is the goal we just want people to be treated fairly because there's huge benefits on both sides like from a personal perspective and then from the business perspective right but that just sounds obvious but what does mm. the research tell us pip well, the thing that has triggered me thinking about this is some research that I looked at last week, which came out just before Christmas mm-hmm. uh, from Gartner. And 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 they did uh, their annual engagement survey. And 19, sorry, 18% of people responding to that survey say they think they work in a high fairness environment. So that wow. means... Less than one in five. Yeah, exactly. So four in five people think that they work in an environment that ha- is a low fairness environment were you shocked when you saw that statistic yeah i thought it was huge i thought i thought thought there'd be a greater spectrum at least that um you know that 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 there would be yeah that it wouldn't be quite as stark as that Mm. and and one of the things digging into it a little bit deeper that was also interesting was that 22 percent of hr employees thought that they worked in a high fairness environment so only a teeny tiny little (laughs) bit higher so the people in an organization who are responsible for essentially responsible for um, making things fair and 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 policing the fairness of an organisation? Also, don't think that the organisations they work in are fair. Um, I, I am, which must I, be so demoralising. Just, I'm just sitting there going, I'm not quite sure what I expected. Really, with with those numbers, I'm not sure I expected that kind of stark picture. And the fact that there's a, not a marked difference between what the HR officials who are building the policies think and what the employees think is, yeah, that's that's a bit of a worry. That's a bit sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I link this, and you mentioned this into your introduction. I link this to to to, to trust mm. um, really strongly, and we know that trust has been eroding over time so trust in leadership trust in politicians trust in you know people in authority in general has Mm. has been declining i think that relates into fairness that we feel fairly treated when we trust that the people who are treating us in that way have our best intentions at heart that that we trust them to do the right thing and they might not always do the right thing but you know or or might not always have the right outcome I should say but that they are doing it with the right intentions they want things to be fair for us even if that's not always possible to achieve and and I think this this links back to, to why we feel so disappointed in in what has happened over the last couple of weeks is that sense of fairness that we will do the right thing and we will follow the rules and we will not see our friends and family and we will experience this huge just massive loss and and grief because everybody's doing it and and we trust that you're doing what we're doing and if we're suffering, you're suffering. Um, and 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 I think 
I think that erosion of trust really impacts on 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 the fairness and 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 I think you can also link that back into organizations if we trust that people are doing things because they want to do the right thing for us and by us then we will be able to kind of feel more fairly treated even if even if some of the actions are the same we feel more fairly treated and I think that's what I mean by this kind of subjective experience of, of fairness. You know, how do I actually feel about it? Um, and, and and what impact does that have on me? I, I think that's very well observed. I, I do think that, I mean, I lay a trust into pretty much everything when it comes to yeah. employee engagement. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard you to You can link most it. things back to trust. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to sort of take it away. And, and then I think whilst policies will have some impact, largely this comes down to behavior so I, and again plays back to what you said if we genuinely think someone is a policy is coming from a good place and they behave in line with that there's no kind of gap between what's said and what's done or we can kind of go with it i think when we feel unjustly done to when you know yeah. someone says something and they don't deliver through or somebody is being treated outside of that there's a bit of favoritism or whatever else that's what pushes a load of our buttons i maybe i just offer up an example of my own and ask you for the same but it like even right at the start of all of this pandemic stuff you know working with organizations making sure that people who were now going to be working at home were all looked after and you know communicated to informed uh, entertained uh, you know god knows how many quizzes were went around organizations mm-hmm. whatever to keep people engaged it's the secret to engagement everybody a quiz on kahoot um mm-hmm. but the thing that kind of went under the radar was that there were a proportion of people still left in offices and all the focus was on the guys outside office to make sure they're okay and in some sort of survey work that i was doing with business these guys felt really they were being treated really unfairly they've almost been forgotten mm-hmm. and mm-hmm you know, cause great deal of angst and upset and what have you. So uh, that's the sort of thing we're we're talking about here, but in a microcosm of the the pandemic. I mean, are you seeing lots of other bits and pieces from um, when you're with clients? Yeah, I mean, similar stuff. But actually, I'm starting to see people going through a curve with that. So so an organisation that I work with, uh, where they have a lot of frontline workers, they recognised kind of towards the middle of last year that that's how their frontline workers were feeling. Mm-hmm. So they put loads of energy into supporting their frontline workers and making them feel engaged and valued. And now it's their home workers who feel unvalued there because they're saying, "Well, these frontline workers, they get to be with each other. They get that they have the social interaction. They get to do their job in the way that they've always done their job." And I'm sat at home in my spare bedroom. It's January. It's freezing. You know, no one talks to me anymore. I don't know what's going on. What about me? Yeah, what about me? <laughs> yeah. And, and that is the fairness thing. The what about me? So you've got these frontline workers who are like, well, we're out. It's January. It's freezing. You know, we've got customers giving us abuse because we haven't fixed this quick enough. You know, and, and you're at home and it's nice and warm. What about me? Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, definitely experiencing that. And I think, I think as 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 we're going through the pandemic and and we're seeing cultures, organisational cultures, fragmenting, and 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 people's connection to their organisations loosening. I mm. think 
have a relationship with your potentially with your direct team and your direct line manager but you might not have seen other people for nearly two years now um and 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 we're not doing kahoot quizzes anymore so i'm not no. even seeing them doing that um <laughs> They were taking so, a lot of my so time think, up, so I'm I'm quite pleased about that, Pip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, so so as those ties loosen, that feeling of unfairness because we don't know what's going on for other people, and and we know this to be true that that our brains don't like a vacuum, so we fill space. You know, if we don't know what's going on for other people, we imagine that they're having a lovely time, and it's us who are suffering. And, and again, you know, that connection to trust and to relationships and that social interaction, that as that loosens, that potential for feeling unfairly treated also increases because we don't know what other people's experiences like anymore. So you mentioned brain. That's that's a trigger for me. Let's get mm-hmm. into the science. Come on. Mm-hmm. So what's what's going on in our heads when we're thinking about fairness? Okay. So in terms of, as I mentioned before, the way that our brain works right at its very root, the simplest way to think about it is is that we're managing risk and reward and and trying to get more good stuff and less bad stuff. And some research that's been done by neuroscientists, um, particularly David Rock, but also neuroscientists uh, based in Australia, is, is around these five particular areas that are, are, are really strong triggers for us. And, and David Rock calls it the scare model. Other people call it the scarf model. One of my colleagues calls it the cares model because he thinks that's nicer than both scare and scarf. <laughs> um, and, and essentially, which it is, of course, and essentially what that looks at are these five different areas that really trigger the brain. So the first one, the S, is, is about feeling significant. We need to feel important. And again, that is harder to do when we're, when we're working on our own you know how valued are we feeling then we've got um certainty uh it's the c so so we want to be able to predict what's going on and that links into fairness because concepts of fairness help us to predict what will happen if i follow the rules this is what will happen I will be rewarded for good behavior. I will be punished for bad behavior. It gives us a sense of being able to predict what's going to happen. Fairness also um, is li- linked to kind of pro-social behavior. So, um, uh, so, so it keeps societies together, which also helps us to predict what's going to, to happen. So that certainty links into that as, as well. And again, the pandemic has, has had huge impacts on how well we can predict what's going to happen in the future our short-term future feels hard to predict so that certainty is is kind of lower for us at the moment as well the a is around autonomy and this actually is 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 one that has kind of increased for for people working at home that they have more autonomy over over what they do so we like to feel we need to feel like we have some sense of control over what happens to us um so that's really important to us. The R is for relatedness. Mm-hmm. And so that is about our connection with other people. We need to have connections with other people. And, and that's even for, for you know, introverts and extroverts. You know, we, we might need different sorts of interactions. We might need different amounts of interactions. But having relationships with other people is really key and really important to, 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 to how we feel. And then that final E or F is, is, is equity or fairness. 
Um, so, so feeling, feeling that things are fair. And when we feel that any of those are lower, that's when we start to, 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 to kind of experience negative emotions Our you know, our brains and our bodies go into more of a stress state. And then we become more that that's a, a, a kind of downward spiral because we, we we then become more sensitive to that kind of information. So we start to feel like we're unfairly treated. We then start to interpret other things that happen as more evidence of that unfairness. Yeah. Um. And 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 you can get into that loop. And again, working on your own, where there's no one to say, "Oh, wait a minute, get get yourself out of your own head here." that's not what's going on here um is 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 much harder to do and so so those so those five key things i think are really important to think of in all sorts of different environments when you're thinking about how you manage people the relationships you have you have with people i think i probably talked about this when we were talking about change last time yeah yeah yeah. um really important in terms of, of of when change is going on if one of those areas you know is going to be lower so if people are going to feel less certain how can you increase something else how can you give them more autonomy or increase the you know the relatedness that they're feeling and um, so more time with people more good quality time with people so i think i think those five things really trigger us and and yeah fairness seems to be one that is right at the top of the list at the moment yeah so understandably so right understand and i look at that list of five things and this i mean there's generally so much crossover with engagement i mean it shouldn't be a surprise right (laughs) it really shouldn't be a surprise but Mm -hmm. it's always beautiful when these things come together because people talk about engagement being you know the never-ending the never-ending quest and it's really hard and it's oh it's just it's all about emotions and yeah it's 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 all of those things, but mm-hmm. it's not some kind of weird left side theory that doesn't have any relation to who we are as human beings. It's directly related. Yeah. You know, these things about involvement, significance, autonomy, um, feeling valued, feeling part of a team, but treated mm-hmm. fairly. I mean, that's we're just basically descri- describing humans, <laughs> yeah. are we? <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's exactly it. I think you know those are, that's what we want to create in organisations. That is how you make people happy and productive. That 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 they are engaged. Exactly that, and that they that that we see people as humans and allow them to be humans. You know, I'm a huge advocate for emotion in work. You know that increasingly we're talking much more openly about how people feel and what their emotions are and what's going on for them and why and I think that human element links into fairness and engagement and 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 and, you know just people feeling like people I I think I think that's right I mean I've said it many times on this podcast that the chance that we have coming out of this grim two years is that the spark of humanity that I think has come back stays mm-hmm. with us, right? Stays with yeah. us and people kind of see it as a as a real foundation to sustainable performance and not just a nice to have, right? I think mm-hmm. this is something that, you know, whether we get into the detail of the great resignation or whatever it is, people have had plenty of time to think about all this sort of stuff. And I think from what I see, 
businesses, and without wanting to sound too preachy or anything else, businesses that treat people like human beings, not human doings, mm-hmm. are the ones who are making it success, right? The ones who have a better shot long term. And, you know, there are lots of people making this stuff really complicated out there. I'm not one of those advocates. I think this is Mm -hmm. this is getting back to what it's like to be a decent human being. It doesn't mean it's all happy clappy. Look, at the end of the day, business is about growth and about profit. But it's also about creating great lives for the people who work within those businesses so that when they come to work, it doesn't necessarily feel like work, but it enables Mm -hmm. them and their families to do amazing things you know that that's that's sort of where I come from yeah and I think it's exactly the right road to go down yeah and I agree it is both simple but also really complicated and really difficult um when you know because we are humans and we're we're complicated complex beings as well who get the hump when things happen and interpret things the wrong way and you know the messy jelly that that you know we are that, that as well I think the idea and at the heart of it is is beautifully simple and I think people like you and me will keep on banging that drum <laughs> so that hopefully no no one will be able to ignore us but I think in organizations the detail of getting it right is also complex and complicated um, because because people are, are messy, messy things. They are, they are. But yeah, I think you've got to start somewhere. And mm-hmm. I think I don't. I think we'll know things have changed, right? I mean, maybe it's just me, but when you're talking to people about this stuff, I won't get all the nods and the yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, we're going to get to this when we sorted performance <laughs> out or come back to this. The people will start yeah. to realise that no, 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 no. This this is the producer of performance ultimately mm-hmm. right yeah yeah we start here performance comes out of it you start with the happiness the performance comes after and yeah, it's I not mean, soft and fluffy no it's it's you know, mean and tough and that's why i say it's complicated and complex because it's not just as you say happy clappy it's not that at all um but yeah it's the right way to go for sure i've, I've got my soapbox out now and i'm i'm still <laughs> yeah. here chest puffed out going, and i get another wound, wound wound up when people start talking about soft skills because to me mm-hmm. soft kind of denigrates what it is this yeah. is human skills this is what they are hashtag human not soft i mean this is this is <laughs> this is the platform we now stand on but apart from getting on into all of that so if we've now got these triggers and we're understanding what's going on and, mm-hmm. and how it's impacting our behavior going forwards, what can we do about it, Pip? What are the sort of guidelines, rails, processes even that mm-hmm. we need to be aware of that we can influence? And that as an individual and, and also as organizations, what, what does that support structure look like? I think if we're taking at heart this organizations as human places Mm, mm. and and particularly when we're thinking about the subjective experience of fairness as opposed to the policy fairness it starts with listening and I'm and I'm also seeing a move in organizations to to listen to people so culture can no longer be owned by senior leadership or owned by HR and they put in place all these lovely shiny nice things that we can do that makes us all feel together. I think I think culture 
and fairness now need to be led by people in the organization and and the work that we're increasingly doing is cultural listening what are you experiencing at the moment how are things for you what is the culture of this organization so senior leaders not saying right this is the culture that we need but listening to what is the culture that we have warts and all and what do we need to do about it? You know, I love, so I think that's great. Well, I love playing back the gap when you get to that bit mm-hmm. as well, though. When you do the two, when you do ask the table, the big table, what's the culture like? And then yeah. you go underneath and say, what's the culture like? It's really interesting, isn't it? Sometimes to see see the differences. Yeah, yeah. This is what this is what we say we want it to be like. This is actually how people are experiencing, and just the massive gap between those things you know it, it's hard you probably experience this as well it's hard giving that feedback you know because because people have put in so much work you know we why don't they get it why don't they get yeah, it Yeah, exactly <laughs> the, the HR team in this organization they they asked us to come in because because they've got the same thing where they've had some people working in in the labs all the way through and it's, it's gone a little bit lord of, um, lord of the flies in there oh gosh um and and so people are coming back in and they're like this is not a nice place to work anymore because you've got this group of people who have gone a bit rogue and and the HR team like but we created a really nice culture I'm like yeah and it's it's just not there anymore and you need to to start again and and that's really hard for the people who have spent a lot of time and effort it really building is. a it, culture it really is so so, so look the cultural listening is important what what else mm-hmm. are, are you kind of seeing recommending uh, to help organizations individuals sort of keep on track with this stuff i mean i'll go back to trust mm. again you know because that is something that needs extra special work at the moment um you know when so so as part of, of the listening that, that that we've been doing and you hear the she gets to do this and he does that and that's not fair the way that that links back to trust you know those are not they're talking about issues that have come up since the pandemic and are related to home working but it comes back to trust that wasn't there before the pandemic um that i feel like i'm working really hard but he isn't because that's not that's not fair and now he's doing even less because he's just sat at home you know playing games all day so so i think really actively working on that trust is really really crucially important that vulnerability based trust that people getting to know each other um and 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 understand each other as you said as humans um and and the experiences that people have gone through over the last year two years nearly um and and what who they are now they might be very different people than they were last time you sat in an office with them so who are they and and how can you rebuild that trust? And I think that's an individual thing. We can all do that as individuals, um, but, but it's an organisational thing as well. How do we make people feel that we're not trying to get them back to the office to do more work, mm. but to, to build that trust and, and, you know, just be with each other? I, I think that's right. I mean, I'm, I'm reminded of a piece of research I read some while ago. You're probably more familiar with it than I am, but uh, there was a piece behind building the high trust organization that was Dr. Pamela. I get her name awfully wrong, but I think Shockley Zalabak, I think. 
Um, and the, and the doctor just on that. Just go, <laughs> I was going to say, just go with me. And uh, and a doctor Sherwin Morial. I think they they built this piece based on trying to bust some myths behind trust that were like trust matters, but there's very little we can do about it. And trust is nice, but performance is necessary. And this sort of backed up some of the things coming out of a PwC report back in, I don't know, about 2015 or so, where 55% of the CEOs surveyed highlighted that trust was a threat to their organization's growth. Mm -hmm. But in honesty, most of them have done little to try and increase it because they weren't sure what to do Um, because it's complex. But I think, I think the sort of framework that this work, this research kind of threw out gave uh, broadly five things for organizations to, to focus around. One was about competence. So the ability for an organization through the strategies that its leaders kind of put together and, 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 and then make decisions that organizational efficiency and capability around that of its employees at all levels is really important. Something we've already talked about, openness and honesty, being able to have a good conversation about a problem, to be mm-hmm. constructively disagreeing as opposed to all nicey-nicey, and, and then having a good framework for communication behind that, right? I think mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, that's critical. They also talked for having genuine concern for employees and wider stakeholders like really yeah. showing concern getting to getting to know people and listening your your bit about listening culturally i mean really mm-hmm. really important and then acting on on those concerns or at least feeding back on those concerns if they weren't mm-hmm. going to do anything critical i think the fourth thing was around reliability so having no say do gap as i often call it mm-hmm. do what you say you're going to do and do the right thing and then not being a silo when it comes to leaders, managers, and people, really having and being able to identify with every in the organization. You know, build, like you've said, mm-hmm. building those relationships. Now, you know, to me, that as a construct, that as a framework is how you can start to kind of manage around, I think, building yeah. trust in an organization, right? Yeah. And we often do work around Patrick Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team. Love that work. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that starts with building that vulnerability-based trust. So you've got kind of procedural trust, which is I predict that if I do this, then you will do that. Absolutely. So, you know, I trust that you will always be late for everything that you do or whatever (laughs) it might be. But the vulnerability-based trust is is so much deeper of, of I can put myself at risk by saying something that you could use against me in the future or that that you know that that might be held against me and i and i trust that you are going to treat that the way that it should be treated and i think it's that it's that vulnerability based trust that that really enables people to perform you know that links into psychological safety and and those yeah. kinds of com- concepts and allows people to say when they don't think that things are fair but not in a kind of whingy, that's not fair yes, yeah. way, but, but actually I've got real concerns about this because this is my experience of this thing. And what's your experience? What was your intention? What, you know, having those real, really real con- conversations. Yeah. Without any fear of retribution at the end of it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, unbelievably, Pip, we've reached the bit of the show where we've got to try and pull this together. So I have sticky notes. 
Okay, mm-hmm. this is where I'm asking you to kind of leave three bits of advice you can stick on a post-it note so people can take it away and start to affect this area more positively. So if we think about fairness and our mm-hmm. ability to deal with it, what would you leave as your three sticky notes, Pip? Okay. So I think the first thing is around thinking about our fairness triggers. So what are the things that really get us? you know and which will probably be linked to your values um and the things that you hold really dear and seeing if you can take yourself above those triggers to see how other people might experience them this kind of idea of subjective fairness that something that i experience as being unfair might not be the same as what someone else experiences so i think something about understanding your own fairness triggers I think the second one has to be something around trust. Uh, so what are we each doing to to build or rebuild that vulnerability-based trust a little bit more? So so what's one conversation that I could go away and have with somebody to, to, to reestablish a bit of that trust? Or as an organization, what could we do? Or as a team, what could we do um, to, to, to reestablish? Establish that vulnerability-based trust. And I always say that vulnerability-based trust is like a comfort zone. You squeeze it out a little bit at a time. You put, put yourself, make yourself a little bit more vulnerable, see how that's taken, do it again, and you'll get that back as well. So, so what one action could you take to just rebuild a bit of that vulnerability-based trust? And the third one isn't really related to fairness or trust, but is, is <laughs> sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but it's related to that, that risk and reward. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we can do when we feel like we're being treated unfairly um, is boosting our reward centers. Those are things like, I'll give you just a couple of ideas, are things like reinforcing the positive. So things like gratitude diaries, really kind of reinforcing what good thing happened to me today. And the second one is going out to find a positive emotion. So going for a walk and not stopping your walk until you found something that gives you joy or gives you peace, or gives you a moment of exhilaration or excitement, you know, that you see something that just makes you feel a positive emotion. Because boosting our reward centers make the risks and the the bad stuff feel smaller and helps us maintain a sense of perspective and a sense of balance between the bad stuff and the good stuff. And there's a lot of bad stuff going on. So, so that my third one is is to everybody just go and find something, work hard at finding something that makes you feel good. What a lovely, lovely way to finish, Pip. I always love talking to you, uh, and I lose all ability to control time. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and experiences today. Really, really appreciated it, and I could talk about this for another hour. But I don't have that long. So thanks for coming today. Really appreciate it, Pip. You're absolutely welcome. Real pleasure to talk to you as well. And and sorry about the time management. No, that's me. That's not you. (laughs) Not my strength either. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, mate, you take care. And you. Thank you. Okay, everyone. That was Pip Gwynn. And if you'd like to find out a bit more about her and some of the things we've talked about today, please check out the show notes. So, that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have, 
please like, comment and subscribe. It really helps. I'm Andy Gorham and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.